welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's Christmas in June. It's Ashes time. Me and Baldy absolutely fizzing at the prospect of the Edgebaston test coming up in less than a week's time. The old enemy meet. It's every four years um, on home soil. Every two years, but it just it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I think this one has got to be one of the most exciting Ashes series I can remember in my lifetime. We're going to preview everything around that little urn coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. Well, it is Christmas Eve almost, isn't it, Baldy? Um, we're going to we're gonna hand over to Stu in a minute because I, I don't think we can contain our excitement. No, we shouldn't, no, we shouldn't. Um, in, in terms of the, the show. But we, we do want to obviously preview um, the biggest series in world cricket, undoubtedly. Um, across the the world, it's you know there, there isn't anything that compares to this. I'm sure, um, Border Gavaskar <laughs> Trophy maybe, um, but yeah, <laughs> Lippy. Look, where just, where we, do you where do you want to start, we mate? We just talked about the World Test Championship Final, the World Test Championship Final, single game. Yeah, oh, I, I guess I I guess I want you to um, probably not go through the. Um, all the history of England and Australia. We don't. We don't need to go through that, and I certainly don't need to to listen to all of that. But I think I, you know, even just noticing the excitement in your voice in that lead up, this feels a lot more exciting. You're saying my intros aren't normally exciting. Not you. No, then you're not normally as pumped up as you were just then. And and I think what I want to understand is there. There seems a bigger excitement this time around in the Ashes, and and I want you to guys to tell me. And I, I mean, look, I'm I am interested in this series. I'm fascinated to see what happens. You know, when we get to predictions, you probably could have convinced me lots of different ways. I wrote a few different things down on my piece of paper last night, trying to think about what would happen in this series. Which you know, from a neutral point of view, that's that's the point that I want to be at at the start of the series. But what you know, from your point of view, why is this one? seem so much more exciting than usual so i think look unfortunately we are going to need a little bit of history i think um in order to answer this question and and for me what it comes back to is if i look at growing up you know we weren't at the races in the in the ashes from uh, probably the early um early to mid 80s i think 1981 and i was too young for that but saw it add in for nightem on the on the replays it was really only probably 2005 where England thought they had a genuine chance of winning the Ashes and that was on home soil remember mm-hmm. um, that 2005 summer and then you know subsequently got our asses handed to us in 06 07 when uh, you know Warren and Langer and Hayden destroyed us um, in their you know some some of their swan songs so I think what makes this one more exciting if I kind of look at the last maybe 13 14 years it's pretty much gone with the exception of 2010 11 where england won overseas Mm -hmm. it's pretty much gone with the form book and gone almost as you you would have expected it to go this series seems to be after um the shellacking we got in the you know stuart broad's void series of 2021 and and i say that firmly tongue-in-cheek by Mm. the way this seems like that you know a genuine a a genuine contest um on english Mm. soil when we go back to 2019 where it was it was you know spoil shared really and but for that fantastic innings at headingly from ben stokes in 2019 australia would have won the ashes on on english soil rather than just retaining them in 2019 Mm -hmm. so for, for me is that we've got two different styles of cricket going up against each other everybody has been saying well um basball oh it's worked in a one-off test 
oh, it's worked against New Zealand. Everyone's oh, been saying, you've been saying it's it for against, a long time. It's worked against South Africa. Oh, it's worked <laughs> against Pakistan. It's not going to work against Australia. But it's worked often enough now that I think there's that excitement oh, going, in, going into this going into this series. And then we've got a really, really good entree uh, in this World Test Championship final with, you know, Steve Smith batting like a Test match batsman and Scott Boland bowling like a Test match bowler. And are England going to hold their nerve and play the cricket they've been playing against that opposition? So that, for me, is why I'm absolutely fizzing for for Edge Baston in a little less than a week's time. Uh, I could not agree more. I mean, if you have a look at, as you say, the history of, of, of Test cricket between Australia and England over the last 40 years, one side has tended to dominate the other for a period of time. It, and, and let's not forget, Australia haven't won in England since 2001. That's a long time. England have won wow, more recently. Really? Yep. Yep. 2005, 2009. Haven't won a series in England. Haven't won a series in England since 2001. Wow. I would not have. England won that. in 20, what, 2010, 2011, or something like that. One of those Australian uh, so, summers. So it was 2009. Yeah. yeah. So t- uh, 2005, 2009, and then 2013. That was that Cardiff test with Monty Panasar and, and Jimmy Anderson. Uh, and then obviously. Uh, there was 2019, so they yep. they changed the cycle because of the World Cup years, etc. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was the Jofra Archer um, breakthrough series, I suppose. So, to all. Um, so yeah, we yeah. haven't won in England since 2001, wow. and both sides, I think it's fair to say, are pretty close to the peak of their form. Australia have just come on off a World Test Championship final victory over India. They've played some reasonably good test cricket in the last 12 or 18 months, some series notwithstanding. And England in the last 18 months have been the form test cricket playing nation in the world in all sorts of different conditions. And and it's not even 18 months, Bordy. It's more like sort of... It's actually probably 12 or 13 months, yeah. Can I, can I just add, I, I, from a neutral point of view, I think what is exciting about this series and maybe more than uh, the Border Gavaskar, certainly the Border Gavaskar when it's uh, in India, is that I think conditions suit both sides. And we might get on to conditions and what, you know, because what Ben Stokes has asked for certainly wasn't what we saw in the World Test Championship final. Remember the ICC in charge of that pitch? Yes, yes. But, you know, yeah, we'll get on to that kind of stuff in a minute. But I think that's the exciting part that I think both sides are well equipped to deal with. You know, it's not like you're going to a home, you know, an away situation where you're really not that suited to those conditions. And that's kind of what we've seen, even though, you know, I think on that flip side, India going to Australia has been very interesting in the last few years because of that same reason, because of India being Mm. able to build up a seam attack that can compete in those conditions. I I tell you why the conditions make it interesting for me is because I think it's going to challenge the notion of, you know, England can um, score runs from anywhere. While we have seen them do that, I think it's going to be really interesting to see them do it in conditions that may favour seam bowling or bowling in general over the course of this series. So how are England going to respond to that? I think they'll respond to it really, really well. I think they'll continue to attack. And so not so much as will England fail, it's how successful will they be? How successful will Australia be at combating that, at providing, asking those same kinds of questions of England's top order that you know, Scott Boland and co asked of India um, in this in this last World Test Championship final? So it's it's not so much that they're even; it's that they're going to be challenged, but their their capability, their their potential is so sky high that it's just it, it is so fascinating. I think to watch. Well, uh, Binksy, I, I guess, yeah, we were going to maybe cover this a bit later, but we sort of got to conditions now. Ben Stokes, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, came out and said that he wanted, I'm paraphrasing again, he pretty much said, I want to play on roads, didn't he, in this 
well in this Ashes series he said he wanted really good pitches that would score a lot of runs is it, then as I said we saw the World Test Championship final it seemed around a lot it was a very green wicket as you say the ICC was in charge of that do you still think we're going to like what kind of pitches do you think we're going to see in the, through the course of this series because that might have quite a big bearing on on what we see and the type of cricket that we see yeah, well, look, I think first we're starting the series quite early in an English summer, to be honest. So I think if you look at the way that England have played their test cricket, their marquee series have come a little bit later in the summer. So June is a pretty early kickoff. I know historically that's not the case. Um, but if we look at the last few Ashes, you know, it's kicked off a little bit later. 2019 was after the World Cup, um, which didn't finish until sort of late May, early June, I think. So um, we, we've certainly got, you know, a scenario here where there is a little bit of jeopardy is the wrong word. But I think, you know, we're playing at five grounds that look, to be honest, the only the only one where I've kind of got a little bit of an either or um, is Old Trafford or Trent Bridge. So we're not playing a test match at Trent Bridge. But, uh, and look, I'm sure we'll get a few comments. I'm really glad we're not playing Cardiff. I'm really glad we're not playing in uh, Durham. Um, I'm really glad that, the, you know, the, the grounds we've picked are Birmingham, where the crowd will be partisan. Um, that's probably where you know there is a little bit of you know there is a little bit probably in the pitch at Edgebaston and um, particularly early in the summer Lords has been flat for a long long time so I think we'll see a flat wicket um, there Headingley really good wicket um, when you get going on a beautiful day at Headingley it's a very very fast scoring ground uh, we've seen you know a number of pretty big innings I remember one from Gilchrist I remember one from Mark Butcher for example I think he got 170 odd in that 2001 series we talked about but when you look up if if there is a little bit of conditions around that could be good for that, bowling that could have either of the sides licking their lips with the, with the overheads Old Trafford, pretty flat, offers a bit of bounce as well. So I think that that will be a good contest. And then the Oval's normally a pretty flat wicket end of July. So yes, I think we will see flat wickets, but I think you've got a couple of grounds, particularly Edgebaston and Headingley, where you know the overheads and the weather in the lead up to the game um, could have a little bit of an impact on, um, yeah, on exactly how flat and how batting friendly those grounds are notwithstanding the notwithstanding the surfaces i think but look i'm pumped that it's in that order to be perfectly honest um yeah i'll yeah i love a first test match at edgebaston and and i guess to transition to you know the the key matchups and and sort of the way these this game this series is going to pan out why do you think stokes said that why why do you think he would want i mean maybe he's just playing mind games and all of that kind of stuff but why do you think it favors england to play on flat wickets so let me just i'm not going to even answer that question i'll just throw a question back at you why would he say he wants to play on bad wickets well i i guess so no i i understand that but i the impression that i got is that he wants to see runs scored right you you often think in a in an environment where uh, let's say in the past, England have not been the favourites, right? You often think, okay, well, uh, sometimes you think, okay, well, our strength is Anderson and Broad. Let's like play on green seeming wickets. New, Ze- New Zealand has been guilty of this in the past where we've gone, we've got seamers that are going to do the job. We want to provide conditions that will suit those bowlers so that we've got the best chance to win test matches. It seems like Stokes is, from those comments, the way I look at them, we back ourselves to score whatever you guys get. And is that the way you read it? No, I just I just read it that if you actually look back, and I'll get a little bit technical, if you go back to the stage where every single test ground in England has invested heavily in its infrastructure, particularly the way the outfields drain. Um, so all of them have got, you know, excellent drainage now so that when it rains, you're back on in an hour. 
that has made the pitches flat for the last 10 15 years in England the pitches have been flat I don't see any reason that we're not going to have flat pitches. We haven't done what New Zealand have done and that tried to ambush overseas te- teams on green seamers. We, I think to be fair, New Zealand's pitches have actually played they, pretty they flat. Have. I'm, 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 I'm taking the piss. But look, we haven't had that for a long, long time. So um, you, you kind of go back a long time um, for England going, yeah, we're going to nibble people out. Mm. Um, we've actually, if you think about the way that we've, you know, structured our bowling attack, we've tried to get pace into into the um, into the attack. We've tried to find a spinner that's going to give us that point of difference. Whether we've done it or not is another question. So, uh, look, I just think it's it, it's a comment that has probably been seized upon a little bit with who does it favour. All he's probably really asked for is, you know, good good cricket batting wickets yeah. um, and I think that that's what fans would want to see uh, fa- you know fans would want to see runs scored at 4-5 and over for, bo- for both for both teams uh, if Stokes is saying anything what he's probably saying is I don't care if Australia score at 4.5 we'll score at 4.75 mm. or, or they or score at 5 and, and 6 whatever so I think that that's the you know that's probably more the mentality so I'm not reading a massive amount into it to be honest Okay, well, let's the, t- the two of you are notorious for for playing down your own side. So what I want what I want to do in terms of framing this and t- in terms of like how how the key battles are going to be won, Baldy, I want you to tell me who's who you're afraid of in the England side. Like who who are you concerned that England is going to take this game away from Australia when you look at that lineup? Johnny Bairstow. Why? Johnny Bairstow the last time he played test cricket scored like 17 million runs at a strike rate of 197,000. He he is a guy who's probably going to bat, I would say, six or seven in the England side maybe mm. and can do to Australia what Adam Gilchrist did for almost his entire career to England and to all sorts of attacks all around the world. Australia got India five down in the World Test Championship final. India fought back and, you know, got from 150 to 300. You give that same opportunity to Johnny Bairstow and and England go from five for 150 to five for 450. You know what I mean? He is the guy who can, even if Australia have an advantage and they have England five for 100, can go in and take that advantage away from Australia as quick as you like. England have all sorts of excellent batters top to bottom in their in their order. No one's a, no one's a walking wicket. There's no weak link in their batting lineup really. Um, Some someone at the top, you might be able to argue. But anyway, you carry on. In terms, but but if you have a look at it, like Pope's in great form, Root's in great form. Harry Brook is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cricketer. Will score lots and lots of runs for England. Ben Stokes does Ben Stokes thing. Ben Stokes things. You get through all of those, and you still got to get Johnny Bairstow out. He's he is the X factor for England, and he's the reason that they can continue to attack even if they're a five for hundred. Thanks. Same question for you, Aussies. Yeah. Look, I, the the thing I'm probably most worried about, I, I think, is Pat Cummins and and Scott Boland, um, and and maybe Hazelwood um, if he's fit. Because I think that they're supposed g- to be fit for the first test. I think. Yeah. So, so I think that they're the guys that are going to ask the questions of that England top order. So um, whilst, you know, Duckett has had a pretty good start to the summer um, in that one-off test against Ireland, he had a, you know, a fantastic winter as well um, and, and, and has looked really, really good. Ollie Pope has, you know, grown into test cricket. He's actually vice-captain now, mm-hmm. has been named as vice-captain. So that's how much they really like him in the setup. There's still a worry for me that the, the way that those guys, uh, Cummins and, and Boland can bowl at that top order and Hazelwood as well, um, is going to ask different questions than we've probably been asked um, because I think there was a little bit that this you know th- this England sort of mentality 
came as a little bit of a blitzkrieg against the, the people that we played against, you know, and, and we were playing short test match series against, you know, you guys, against South Africa. Um, I think it definitely hit New Zealand as a big surprise. And people probably went, oh, well, by the time they've done it in one test, they're like, well, they won't do it again, will they? Oh, no, they have. Oh, shit, it's the third test. So yeah. so I think we now know that that's going to come. So for me, that that's the, you know, that's the concern. The other thing, you know, the other thing I think is that uh, Nathan Lyon is going to be really, really key, particularly the way that Australia are going to set their side up with, um, you know, Cameron Green um, offering really the first time Australia had a proper all-rounder for a long um, time for, for, a, for a long long time um, Gilchrist and Warner as we've talked about a lot on the podcast balance that you know great side really really well but neither of them was a, a traditional all-rounder they, yes. they gave that you know they gave that balance so Lyon again is is probably yeah is probably the you know the other person that I'm I'm really scared of from a batting perspective it, you know it's 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 probably Travis Head um, and also for the same reasons as Baldy's saying about Bierster yeah, look, I, I think look, he's 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 coming in with form, and he, you know he's going to counter attack, and he's going to he's going to play that, uh, you know, play that role. And then I think the, the you know the other thing that I'm worried about, I, look, Steve Smith goes without saying, you know, he's going to he's going to average sixty because Steve Smith averages sixty in England. And yeah. um, I'm also you know worried, particularly now he's retired or says he's going to retire, um, more about David Warner as well because I think that that. You know, a, a wounded bull. Um, as Ooh, is, yeah, see what I've done there. And yeah. um, you know that that's probably one of those. You know, one of those things that you know he might just go out with a real, uh, real hiss and a roar in his final Ashes series. Seeing as I'm running the show here, let's talk about spin for a little bit. So, I mean, let's let's firstly just give a quick shout out to Daniel Vittori for winning the World Test Championship. The long line of New Zealanders that have won that that tournament, and but he's obviously a big part of Australia's uh, assistant coaching now, and and I'm sure having a big hand in, in spin. Baldy, you've talked about Nathan Lyon. I think when India was there, you know, last, very much critical of him saying that you didn't think he was really up to Ashwin and, and all of that kind of stuff. Would you like to make an apology? And then, and then oh, I guess... I'm, just, hap- I'm just happy re- to walk let's it back. Just, let's and, just re- remember to edit this bit out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and then I guess I, I think that it is worth talking about the maybe the role that Spin might play in this and sort of getting on to England because England have obviously had Jack Leach and, and been playing him very consistently over a number of years now and actually picking him in all conditions and saying, okay, it doesn't really matter. Like, even if it's a seam-friendly seam track, we're going to play a spinner. Australia have yeah. done this exact same. And they're sort of one of the only the only couple of sides, I think, around the world that have had that that level that have gone, okay, we, we are going to pick a spinner because we think that's important. Mm. England now doesn't have leech, so we'll get on to what they're going to be doing. But how important is Lyon going to be to balance out this Australian attack? Hugely important because it does two things. It gives their their strike bowlers, Cummins, Boland, etc., a bit of a rest when he's able to bowl long overs, particularly in the first innings. And we know that England are going to attack Australia. If I was England, I would be targeting Nathan Lyon to try and hit him out of the attack early on in the series. Oh, I and make target all of your bowlers. That, that's well, the way they're playing, right? Right, exactly. But I think in particular, yeah. they will have written on their big whiteboard planning thing, we will attack Nathan Lyon. We will hit Nathan Lyon out of the attack. When Nathan Lyon is under pressure, I would like to see him be bold and be brave and continue to target the batters outside the off stump mm. rather than reverting to going around the wicket and trying to sort of tuck a batter up and, and keep them out of the, and keep them out of their strike zone. To be, while you're on that, to be fair, I think he's done a really nice he, job he of coming has. around the wicket. He did a fantastic job in that World Test Championship yep. to get final, to get Rohit Sharma around the wicket. He's become actually pretty expert at coming around the wicket, pitching it on middle to hit middle. Yeah, he's, been, he's very comfortable there, right? Yeah. He's very comfortable bowling around the wicket, particularly when he's being 
attacked. I would like to see him challenge both edges, both edges of England batters' bats because I think he bowls a really, really good, if not arm ball, then, then straight ball, and he's going to get a little bit of bounce, and I think that's going to be really, really key. If England just play him off the, off the wicket, and they play him like a slow, medium pacer, they're going to marmalise him. So he's got to be really, really brave. And if he is, I think he can do a really, really good job for Australia and put England under pressure. Yeah. I, I think it's also key for him that, you know, Pat Cummins has said he wants to play all six test matches this summer as well. So, it, you know, even more important, I think, that Lyon's able to do that holding role. Yep. Um, because otherwise you're putting too many, you know, too many overs into Pat Cummins' legs as well. And, you know, he is probably the world's best seamer at the moment, Pat Cummins, I would say. Well, we might get on to Scott Boland in a minute. But uh, what? so what are England going to do? They, they've picked Moeen Ali yeah. and, and he's just going to play? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this and I've kind of written, I've written something down that's quite a bold comment. Um, I actually don't think it's that big a deal that Jack Leach is is out of the out of the side. Um, and, and my I rationale... I think that's especially bold. And, and my, my rationale behind that is you talked about the fact that, you know, Jack Leach has become an important part of this, uh, of this side. Um, I, I think the only thing that I've got you know, in terms of England is most teams are really, really, really well prepared and they know what their depth chart is nowadays. We don't necessarily have that. We've had to put out an SOS to, to Moen Ali um, to come in and play. All that notwithstanding, the, the reason I don't think it's a big deal is that Leach has been used in a slightly different way by Ben Stokes. Um, what he hasn't done is said to him, mate, I want you to come and hold an end up. Mm. He's come and said, I want you to try and take wickets and the, the, you know the plans that Leach will have used to take those wickets might be different to the plans that they might use for Moen Ali but what I don't think they're going to ask Moen Ali to do is come in and bowl a 15, 16, 17, 20 over spell I think they're going to go hold on we've got a left-hander in here you're going to bowl a spell mm. hold on we need a wicket here we're going to bring the men off off the sweep and you're going to you're going to try and you know really spin your off break as hard as you can um, if you get smashed, it's fine. So I think they're going to use him in you know almost the same way that they've used Leach, which is we're going to have some plans for how Moen Ali is going to take wickets, and and we're get, we're going to use him not necessarily in short spells, but the intention of him bowling long spells to hold an end up. That's not the way that they're going to mm. use him. Mm. Which if that was, he wouldn't be able to do that, having not played a Red Bull game for I think two years maybe even longer I think it's 2021 um, and, yeah. and he's not bowled more than 10 overs in a, in a game um, since then either so yeah that would have been a really really big ask if you're asking him to settle into long spell so I don't think it's a big deal and I think I'd, I'd also say and interested to get your view on this I think he'll bowl more wicket-taking balls if he plays five test matches than Jack Leach would have done. Probably, yeah. I've always thought he was quite underrated as a bowler What what's sort of weird to me is that he plays often plays one day cricket or white ball cricket and doesn't bowl. We've, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, and I guess that gives me a bit of pause when I think, why aren't they bowling him? Like when I see him and even when we had, even I think back to when we had Jeetan Patel on the podcast and he was talking about how, you know, out of the hand, Moeen Ali is a hundred percent easily the best spinner in England. And I've always thought that he spins the ball nicely. He's put nice drift on the ball. Yeah. I, I've always thought that then you go, you look at the stats he averages 65 against Australia and they're not probably not shaking in their boots. So, yeah, very, very interesting to see what happens. I, we haven't even talked about Moali's Mo, Mo batting. Like, he is a really, really good number eight batter for England. Oh, yeah. If, and he might even bat number nine. He might even bat after Ollie Robinson. So I don't think so. He, well, he might. He might not. Um, 
You might if he's caught in the toilet or something. <laughs> True. Let's uh, let's move to the seamers now because I think there are a lot of and and maybe this leads into selection kind of questions for both of you. Binksy, what the makeup of this England bowling attack? We talked about it last week in terms of the there was eleven seamers I think we named off off you know off the, the cabs off the rank. How many of them are fit now? What give us an update on the likes of Mark Wood, Ollie Robinson? Is everyone back fit? Everyone available? Yeah, so my understanding is everyone is uh, available now. So with the exception of Joffre Archer yep. um, Ollie and, Stone. and Ollie Stone. So yep. I think uh, Wokes is you know Wokes is back in the mix. I think Robinson and, and Wood uh, fit. So uh, look, I, I'm sure Baldy you know may play a little bit of kidology here, but England have got far many more selection questions. Aussie have got yep. one, which is if Hazelwood's fit, does he play ahead of Boland? And England have probably got a question around what what are they going to do for that first Test match and. I, 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 again, brutally honest here, they aren't thinking about later in the series. No, no. They are not doing what England have done under an Andy Flower regime or a Peter Moores regime. They are looking at this test match. They're probably not even looking at it now. They're probably looking at the fact they've got a tea time tomorrow at <laughs> uh, the Belfry. Um, and they'll think about the, you know, the cricket on the, you know, the day before the game, which is when they'll switch on. So I, I think the question really is around the balance of that bowling attack. I'm sure I'm going to be proved massively wrong and they'll go in with an all-seam attack at Edgebaston. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I don't think you would have gone and had that conversation with Moe and Ali and said, would, do you want to be in the squad? I think they'll have gone and said, "Hey, he's playing. You, you, you're playing. You know, this is the. You know, this is a game plan that we can be really, really sure of. Um, it's his home ground. Um, so, he, you know, he's, he's whilst he's uh, been playing his county cricket at Worcestershire until this year, um, he, him and his um, his cousin and his brother grew up at Warwickshire. Mm. Um, you know, his dad's still, you know, um, involved down there at the indoor school. He's, you know, he's a bear. So, you know, he's going to be playing on his, you know, his home ground. I mean, he, again, this all just leads to him not being selected. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the question then is whether or not it's broad um, or wood that misses out um, yeah. going into going into this game. Because I, I think Anderson, if, you know, if fit, which I think he is, plays, is a lock. And, and I think also Ollie Robinson is, is a lock ahead of Stuart Broad as our best line bowler. I agree. Regardless of whether or not Broad's got the wood on one player, David Warner. I, I don't think that that's going to come into the thinking. I, I think Ollie Robinson is is now the the second seamer after Anderson that they'll pick. So the, the question mark for me is really Broad, uh, Broad or Wood um, if Ali plays. How many tests do you think Wood will play in this series? Because I think they've in the past they've been really cautious with him. But then again, in that series, I think back to that 2021 series against Australia, and I think he played four tests in that series. He was and really and he was good. Out of you know a disastrous series for England, that, that was the. I don't know if that was the rock bottom, but that was the time when everyone was kind of making jokes about England. Everyone on that tour seemed terribly, terribly disappointed even to be there. He was the one that looked absolute quality and actually looked like he put a bit of a fright up some of those Australian batters. Do you think he, like, are they going to, like you say, they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be cautious with him at any point. Are they just going to let him loose and try and play all these games? Look, I, I really, yeah, look, I really don't know. So, I, I think if I were again, and this, this is the problem, right? England don't strategize the way that they would have, you know, they would have. They'd have actually normally probably had a spreadsheet and gone, well, this is what we expect in terms of the pitches. He's going to play. On these He's going to play in, in, in these. Yeah. If I'm doing it with that old fashioned, old fashioned mentality, I probably think he misses out at Lords because Lords is probably the pitch that's going to offer him, um, offer him the least. You've got the slope. 
Um, you've got a little bit of nibble and you, you play your line bowlers there. You play Jimmy Anderson, you play Stuart Broad, you play Ollie Robinson and, and a bit of Ben Stokes. So I, that's the way I would, you know, I would have probably planned this on a, on a set of spreadsheets. I think they'll go, you know, are you fit? Are you ready to go? Yeah, sweet. All right, cool. <laughs> if that's the way that they, they want to, you know, that way, that, the way that they want to go throughout the course of the series. So I'm not going to predict how many he's going to he's going to play or how many anyone's going to play. I think, yeah. that, you know, they'll make some bold decisions. I hope they'll let him most. I do too. I, honestly, if I was Australia and I, and I was thinking about who I'm afraid of, Mark Wood's probably at the top of that list, pretty mm. much. Unless you're David Warner, in which case you're having <laughs> nightmares about the Nighthawk. But genuinely for Australia, Mark Wood offers a point of difference in that attack, right? He, he's capable of bowling 90 to 95 miles an hour. He's probably the only one who's likely to play multiple test matches in this series who's going to really do that unless England go for, Josh you Tom. know, yeah, Tung can, but is he going to play ahead of all of those other guys? Maybe not, particularly if Wood's fit. Yeah. I'd be playing Wood in every test match that he's fit. Mm. every single one and I'd be choosing between Robertson and Broad like Adam said I would lead one way and Adam might lean the other way but if he's fit I would be playing him because he offers that point of difference in that England attack and, and, he, and he could ruffle some feathers in Australia as he has done in the past what, what are Aussie going to do though Baldy with this bowling question because he he was fantastic I mean anyone who's just listened to our World Test Championship review has heard, has heard me talk about Scott Boland and, mm. and you know in glowing terms and I think he. How do you leave him out? Because I, I mean, how do you leave him out? Because I think that Hazelwood, probably in English conditions, is almost again one of the first names on your team sheet. So I don't quite know how they do it, but I feel like Boland's made such a strong case now that you you have to find a spot for him somewhere. And, and the only spot that you can find for Scott Boland, if it's not going to be for Josh Hazelwood, is for Mitchell Stark. And this is the slight concern that I have about Mitchell Stark's form. And we always question, I mean, people always question Mitchell Stark's form, but you have a look at his record. He's got a lot of wickets. Um, but he also can be erratic in the same way that Mitchell Johnson can could was, was sometimes erratic for Australia. And, you know, if we think back to the last Ashes Test Series, he knocked Rory Burns over with a, with a you know, it was a leg side half volley. Burns missed. But it Burns missed. Hair was in his eyes. Um, <laughs> but it swung back and hit off something. It set the tone for the series, yep. is what I'm saying. Mitchell Stark is the only Australian bowler who's left-handed who, and who is a, a, a touch above in terms of if he's on song, he's he's unplayable. Oh, yeah. He, he can be unplayable and he can hit the stumps from just about anywhere. So that's, I think, the question mark for Australia is what Mitchell Stark, what version of Mitchell Stark are they going to get? And are they going to get a Mitchell Stark that can control the ball at six or seven overs old and you give it to Hazelwood and Cummins or Hazelwood and um, Cummins and Boland to open the bowling and then Mitchell Stark comes on? I don't know. I would be I would be tossing up in the same way that England are probably tossing up Broad and Robinson. You'd be pro, you'd be potentially tossing up now Boland and Stark potentially. I, I think the thing is though with Boland and, and Hazelwood, you know what you're going to get. Yep, you, you're going to get uh, you know. And I, I think is, it was, is that the argument that only one of them plays? So so I think I was listening to a, a podcast and it was Mitchell Johnson actually talking about probably the struggles that he had between uh, the series in would it have been oh nine oh nine. Um, and then the 2013-14 series where he was absolutely he was very phenomenal. He got 37 wickets in the series. And one of the, you know, one of the sound bites from that was what he was trying to do was make the difference between his best game and his worst game smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if you were England, you'd probably go with the fact that Stark on Song is probably 
as impactful as, as Boland. Mm-hmm. Um, Stark, not on song, is someone that you can probably get on top of. Yep. Um, so, you know, England would probably say, well, it's a difficult one because if Stark's on song, you know, he, he's got the capability of ripping through you. Boland, you know, you're going to get an 85% performance out of him every single test match. Um, and then he's going to, you know, he's going to have the odd 90 and 95, whereas Stark might have the odd you know, 70% performance. Mm. So, look, it's a really, really, yeah, really, really tough one and a fascinating one as we go into that first test match. Last thing before we get into sort of the predictions and, and what we think is going to actually happen in the series now that we've covered most of the, the, the ground. Binksy, I'm, I, the one last thing I do want to ask is about Jack, Zach Crawley because I, when I look at these teams on paper, he is the glaring weakness, I think, when I see. I still have no confidence that he is going to succeed at any point. I know that he plays some innings that that go that look very nice and at short times do you think he's going to last the series um well look you've you're ruining one of my bold predictions if um if you make me answer that now um but look i i think that the, the again they they've they've put a lot of money into into zach they've crawling and they've absolutely backed him and I, and I think you know one of the things that they're talking about is that he is going to be able to score you know that that absolute match winning performance maybe twice during the uh, during the, the series so look I, I actually think you know he's, he's going to have potentially a series where he does something Michael Vaughan like in 0203 and he peels off three four big hundreds in a series well wow. so it, I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna stick with him I, I think they look around the county game um, there's not too many players playing in the mold that they they want because I think from a county perspective, the wickets have nibbled around a little bit early um, in the season as they're going to do. And clearly your county coach is the one that's, you know, telling you how you're going to bat and what the game plan is and that, you know, they're not necessarily going about it in the same way as this England team. So I think they'll stick with him because he's the, he's the guy that, um, the guy that sort of buys into um, the methodology. Um, the, the only thing, you know, that I would, I would say is that there's probably one person in my bold predictions that, you know, might, um, might upset that apple cart. Well, let's get to them. I do think the um, an interesting point around that is uh, I think Matt Roller just interviewed Colin Munro on on, the, on Crick Info, and uh, he talked to he talks about how Brendan McCullum basically his mindset is those match winning performances. You know that he's talking more about T Twenty. He talked about it when he came on our podcast, Colin Munro, and talked about how Brendan kind of said to him, you, "We want you to have this many match winning performances yep. in a set, in a tournament." I think probably he has the same thought, right, about Zach Crawley in this Ashes. He wants him to have two match-winning performances in this Ashes series, or even one, and he's probably done his job, even if he fails in all of the other innings. So, yeah, that is that is a fascinating point. Let's get on to predictions then, and and maybe you know I want we can we let's expand this a little bit because we haven't talked about how the the series is actually going to play out. So I want your score prediction. And then I actually want you to kind of justify that in, in terms of how you think the, not game by game, but you know yeah. how you think the games will go and, and why you think that score. Let's start with you, Baldy, because you're, you're furthest away. I think, and and you know that often I, I, I err on the side of the opposition. You I do, did, always. I did, yeah, always. I didn't in the World Test Championship final. So and I'm going to say honesty to on. I think England win this series. And I think that England win this series because they have so much firepower with the bat that all other things being equal, that firepower wins out. 
So they've got the ability to take 20 wickets, and we've talked about that a lot in terms of England's ability to turn their results around over the last 12 months. They've taken 20 wickets on regular occasions. They can still do that. You have a look at their bowlers. They've got Ali, Broad, Anderson, Robinson, Wood, Potts, Tongue, Wokes, choose three of seven from that fast bowling contingent. They've got more depth than Australia in the fast bowling, and they've got lots and lots of options that can hurt Australia in terms of the batting. And I think for all of those reasons, all other things being equal, England win that series 3-1. My only ask for Australia is that it's a live series going into the Oval. So maybe 3-2 at best. Banksy? Yeah, look, we were just talking before off air about this and asked Baldy the question, would you rather be 3-0 in the series over or would you rather be 2-2 going into the Oval? Um, 3-0, obviously, if I could ask for something. Yeah, see... This is the thing that Basball and, you know, I know that everybody doesn't like that term, but that's what this has done to me and to, to cricket is that actually that's the outcome. You want the drama. You want, I actually, when I think back about it, the the drama of that 05 series, whilst it was nerve wracking, that edge Baston test match with, you know, Australia needing three to win, um, going into the oval with you know Peterson taking on Brett Lee and just clearing the boundary with top edges and going on and getting 150 odd and um, Ashley Giles getting I think 50 in that game as well it's that drama that you kind of remember so whilst it would be great to kind of be 3 nil up and kind of have it done and dusted and be you know be thinking about where the, where the guys are going to play golf I just really really hope it's two each going into the oval and, and I think it's going to be too close to call I genuinely cannot pick um, who wins uh, this series? The only thing I, you know, I will say is that I think Baldy named all of English seam, the England seamers a minute ago and said, you know, we've got strength in depth. I'd rather have Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, and and Scott Boland so um, as, I, as yeah. four seamers than than eight guys where you know only maybe two of them are in that in that bracket. So I think it's going to be that Australian bowling firepower versus that England batting firepower. And I, I, that's why I also think the tosses are quite important because I think Bairstow is going to score more runs when he's not kept wicket. So I think um, you might even see him bat one higher, maybe two places higher if England bat, um, bat first. You've got to remember that all of his success um, in that, you know, that's last summer came batting at number five. And not know, holding the gloves. And not holding the gloves. So batting at five and, and not holding uh, not holding the gloves. So, look, I, I honestly cannot make a prediction. I hope it's 2-2 going into the Oval. So I hope that the series is a 3-2, but I wouldn't know who it's going to go to. That's a bit of a cop-out. But uh, I, I look, that it's a bit of a cop-out. And, and I'll just quickly throw in that Raj... Raj's prediction, I did ask, you know, he's not here for this recording, but I did ask him and he actually predicted 3-1 England as well. No no details on that, but before I, uh, you know, get into my little... He thinks Australia are going to get pasted. Yeah. He thinks Australia are going to get humped by England and that they're going to score a million runs and bowl Australia out for not very many on a lot of occasions. So yeah. um, he's very bullish about English chances in this test series, notwithstanding, you know, Adam's, you know, kidology and doesn't want to jinx stuff. But Raj is pretty it, bullish. It's not that I don't want to jinx it. It's just I genuinely yeah, don't. It's, it's hard. It's tough to yeah. call. I mean, even saying England are going to three, win 3-1, three, I think is undercutting Australia a little bit, you know. Well, and that that's what I had. I, I'm very much more with Binksy here in that I... I wrote down my prediction. I sort of initially, when I think about series predictions, I just write down the first number that kind of comes to my head. And I wrote down 3-1 Australia. And I wrote that down. And then I think I think a lot of that from a New Zealand point of view is Australia always wins. That's kind of like this horrible feeling that I always have. And I think 
also looking back at the Ashes and thinking that Australia usually maybe retain the Ashes, it surprised me again that you just said before that Australia has not won a series in England since 2001. That that is a, an enormously surprising number to me, and something that I would not, you know, would not have even thought because I just feel like Australia has been dominant in the Ashes. Whether that's been whether that's been we, true, we've had or not. drawn series having won the Ashes in Australia. That's that's where we get away with that sort of centre dominance. Yeah, but so I wrote down three one, and then I sat there and thought about it, and then I flipped it over and it went three one England, and I went, oh no, no, that's, and I and I genuinely feel. Just like you said, I have no idea what's going to happen in this series. And I think from a neutral point of view, like I said at the start of the show, that is what's so fascinating about this series because, yeah, we've looked at this England's batting or this England way of playing this game and we keep thinking it's going to fail, it's going to fail, it's going to fail, and it just hasn't. They've been fantastic. I actually ended up writing 3-2 Australia. So we do sort of have someone, I guess, who's now predicted Australia on here to, to kind of counter what you guys have said but I also agree with Binksy in that I, I I think that Australian seam attack is much better than England and actually is always much better than England's in terms of the way that they are placed to face the English batting lineup and I think that they they provide more challenges than any other seam attack has provide has been able to provide to this kind of baseball style of cricket because they bowl those areas but they also bowl them a little bit quicker than let's say the New Zealanders have been able to do, they bowled them in you know in different conditions than the Indians you know have been able to go and go and do. So yeah, I really think that battle between those Australian seamers and that English batting lineup is the key one that will decide this. Because I, I think like you said, Smith, Labuschagne, Travis Head, even I think those I think Australia will put enough runs together to win this series. It'll be whether England can chase down those runs that kind of determines who wins these games. So, yeah, absolutely fascinating stuff. Bold predictions? Let's start with you this time, Binksy. You meant you teased one about Zach Crawley? Yeah, so I've got I've got three um, bold predictions here. So um, I'm going to read out some scores here. Um, last eight innings, 100, 79, 2, 81, 83, and 95. So those scores are David Milan playing for Yorkshire, which includes 100 in the county championship at a strike rate of 74. So I think he's the next cab off the batting rank for England. Um, Played in that last series down under. For the reason that he's, you know, he's buying in and, and um, you know, he's taking a spot at number four for Yorkshire. Sam Haynes, the other guy who's scoring a lot of runs for Warwickshire, that might be um, an option. And then the other thing is, I think Ben Folks will play a part in this series. Um, and wishful thinking? Uh, no, not wishful thinking at all. But I, I, I think that England at, at some point will, you know, will will introduce um, some fresh blood into the the series, regardless of you know where it's going as well. Mm. Um, so I, I think you know they've said that he's a big part of that that side moving forward, um, and I think that Bearstow, um looked a little bit laboured keeping wicket. Um, granted, first you know first game back in the big show. Um, England, Ireland at Lords. Um, so I think again to maybe protect his batting stock. Um, I think we'll see folks throughout this series as well. I, I 100% agree with you. I think that it, particularly if England fall behind, that they will elevate Johnny Bairstow to number five. They'll stick. Um, he might even open. He might. He might open. But I would. I would. I would say that England might stick Pope into open and stick Harry Brook at number three. 
and then stick Besto in at five and bat folks at seven and just say, Johnny Besto, just score as many runs as you want. Don't worry about carrying the gloves. Don't worry about any of that extra responsibility. Just go and score a billion runs. Um, so particularly if England... First squad for two tests? Yeah, the first two tests. The first two tests, yeah. Baldy? My bold prediction is that Mark Wood will be the difference between the two sides with the ball. He will have 30-plus wickets and, and be the leading wicket-taker. 30-plus Johnny, wickets. 30-plus wickets. Wow. He will play every test that he's fit, and he will run through Australia with his combination of pace and bounce. Uh, speaking of which, he will run through Manus Labuschagne. Um, <laughs> the the, the Baldy v Manus, Manus battle it's not, it's not, Manus, it's, Don't it's, change Manus the, the stuff you were doing in that World Test Championship final With the, it is, it is not, the appeals and everything Please please continue it, sleeping it, it's Just, not, just it's, keep doing it's it all It's not an anti-Manus thing I think that he has been found out Against really really fast bowling Short of a length I think he's been found out And I think Mark Wood is ideally positioned Of just about anyone in world cricket To exploit that I think he'll have his number Manus Labuschagne to average under 30 Mark Wood to have 30 plus wicket and my favourite English player YJB because he's got brilliant initials a brilliant batter and he's got terrific hair will <laughs> average over 60 in the series uh, my, I, I've only got one bold prediction down and that's actually just that Ben Duckett is the leading run scorer for England throughout the series I, I've, I've been super super impressed with the way he's come into the side and, and kind of bought into everything that he's done and you know we, we touched on it last week about how he doesn't leave the ball he puts so much pressure on the bowlers by playing. Yes, you can say he gives the bowlers chances, I guess, by going and doing that. But, yeah, I've been very impressed with him. And I suppose if he goes on and does that, that puts England in a really nice position if they can get it on the front foot. I, and I guess the other, bowling, uh, the other bowling one from an Australian point of view is I do think Nathan Lyon will have a significant part to play in this series. I, yeah, as I've told you guys off air about five times, I just loved the way he picked up that wicket. Uh, Jadeja in that uh, in the World Test Championship final, the, the the flight, the spin, Daniel Vittori's giant beard helping him out. That's it's it's all pointing towards Nathan Lyon extending his career for a little bit longer and uh, playing a big part in this series. Take us away, Mixy. Awesome. Well, guys, um, been a pleasure talking about that. And look, I think again, just to reinforce how fizzed I am, I'm not even going to buy into Baldy's bullshit <laughs> and try and give some of this kidology stuff about, you know, Mark Wood ripping through and Labuschagne having a shit series. I, I don't need to do any kidology. I'm just really, really looking forward. Let's hope it lives uh, up to it. Looking forward to this. I, I am too. Super I, I really am excited for this series. Yeah. Well, guys, um, been a pleasure chatting through the Ashes. We will be back in your feed, obviously, to review each and every one of these test matches throughout the course of the summer. Um, also hoping to get a few um, episodes on the go in between uh, the games as well uh, with some special guests on the podcast. So do stay tuned throughout this English summer. Uh, we're heading into the winter here in New Zealand. It's getting pretty cold, but it's warm under lights in our Ashes preview uh, studio here. So do uh, dip into the back catalogue on YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe. Um, spending a little bit of time trying to get um, a following on video as well as audio so dip into the back catalogue we've got some Ashes interviews in there as well so uh, notably Mike Hussey go and have a listen to that um, but for now it is good night and God bless from us all on Ashes Eve um, here in Auckland me and Board will be watching that uh, first ball with a you know, non-alcoholic gin and tonic or something like that um, in just a few days time but for now good night and God bless from us here in Auckland we'll see you soon good night <laughs> <laughs>